This is China Business Cast, your guide to doing business in the wild, wild east. We're here to get detailed and get personal with experienced entrepreneurs making things happen in China. If you want to learn from on-the-ground accounts of how business actually gets done, this is the program for you. Hello and welcome to China Business Cast. I'm your host JP. Just a little update this week. If all goes well, this podcast should be live on iTunes as of this week. And if you do like the podcast, please do leave us a review on iTunes. So today I'll be speaking with Jamin Yurger. Jamin has been in China since 2004, and he's the chief operating officer of High Capping, a company that specializes in apparel and accessory sourcing, including quality assurance, quality control, and project management. Today we're here to discuss how to avoid sourcing mistakes. So without further ado, here's the interview. Welcome to the show, Jamin. Hey, thanks. Kind of hanging out in my storeroom right now. <laughs> yeah, this is the first episode we've done where it's an in-person interview. So Jamin's in Shenzhen. I'm in Shenzhen. We're sitting down in、uh, a room surrounded by all sorts of bags and hats and apparel. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Kind of、uh, unorganized at the moment, but we're working on that right now. <laughs> well, very glad to have you on the show today. So、uh, the goal for this interview. Is to really get your experience on, you know, the whole sourcing and manufacturing process, and understand what are the likely mistakes and pitfalls of going from a concept of a product to the finished product. So, all the little points in between where it's possible to make make a mistake. Yeah, wanna, there's a lot. There can be, there can be possibly a lot. Yeah, so we want to point those out to the audience and talk about how we can avoid those mistakes. So that's the main goal of this discussion. But before we jump straight into it, can you give us a little background on your China story?、Um, yeah, I'll just give you kind of the, the small, small version.、Um, basically, I've been in Shenzhen for almost nine years now. I hope I got my math right. I came here at July twenty fourth, two thousand four. And、uh, I came here first teaching, and then after that, I just found I wasn't really interested in teaching or doing a, a good job. So I decided to kind of start working for myself. And、uh, we've kind of my business partner Matt, who you hear, who you're from、um, from time to time on、uh, with Dan and Ian and stuff on the Tropical MBA.、Um, we started business gear about I'd say three to four years ago, and、uh, decided that we needed to try to do something on our own instead of working for someone else. Cool. And can you tell us a bit more about what your current company does?、Uh, High Capin does、um, production management. So what that means is basically we try to take a product from concept、um, to purchasing materials, making sure those materials are correct, and dispersing them throughout the factories, and you know hopefully coming up with a full complete line using all those same materials and having some continuity to to your end products. Cool. So, if I understand it correctly, you help other companies who want to manufacture in China sort of manage the whole process from from getting the materials to getting the final product and everything in between. Yeah, yeah. That's mostly for kind of like clothing and, and accessories and apparel. So, to kind of give you an idea how it works. So, like, let's just say you're Nike, and that'd be great if we work with Nike, but we don't.、Um, Nike kind of has like a continuity over their brand line. So, whether that's like jackets and shirts and Pants and stuff over, you know, certain colors of the year and all that type of stuff. You want that continuity to kind of go through all throughout your products. So especially with labels and buttons and、um, same material and things like that. So that's what basically what we do here at, at High Capin. Cool, gotcha. 
All right, with that in mind then, I think um, that's great and we can definitely learn a lot from you. So for this episode, I think the best way to explain something is to have a concrete example. Okay. The idea is to take a concrete example of a product and take it from the concept concept stage to the final stage and then hit all of those points in between where mistakes could happen and talk about how we can avoid them. And I have the perfect product in mind. Okay. I don't know if you're a big fan of uh, Game of Thrones. I don't know who isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an awesome show. And I, I, I have this idea. I think... I think it's going to be huge around Halloween this year. Sure. Yeah. So say we, we had this product idea of uh, a set of Game of Thrones costumes that mm. we want to we want to manufacture. Sure. Obviously, we have, you know, the pictures or whatever, the, the images from the show. Mm. Now, can you give us a quick outline of how we would take that and then get it to a finished product? Just sort of like the key steps in between and then we'll dive deep dive into each one. Okay. So I, I guess your question is you want to make... Uh, what's to say, Game of Thrones line of so, costumes? Correct? Yeah, say say. Let's focus on one in particular, Daenerys Targaryen, like her her little white dress. Oh yeah, yeah, with the dragons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, <laughs> so um, okay for her. So you know, I think a picture is a good start for concept, but in in order to get that to a factory and make it correctly the first time, especially if you're on a timeline, you're gonna have to have a little bit more than just a picture. First thing would be kind of maybe um, a physical sample. If you're gonna make it yourself, maybe you're very talented and you can maybe make up the first mock-up and then you could send it off to a factory to say, this is what I want and then we need to kind of go from uh, this size, which is a medium, scale it down to small, large, extra large. And okay, so maybe you're not that talented. Okay, <laughs> so the, the next step is you need someone who can maybe get you some drawings. So what that means is, is that you actually have to kind of be aware about what these measurements are to make one piece of this type of clothing. Because if you don't have a clear roadmap, a factory is not going to be able to figure it out for you. Right. You know? So that's kind of the first step is kind of having a clear physical sample of the specifications that you really want, um, including sizing, material, you know, what, how you actually want it to feel and what actually that material is. Is it polyester? Is it cotton? Is it leather? Do you need leather accents and metal pieces? So you leave guessing, you will get, you will get a, a guest product. Right. Sure. Okay. So say I find like a local design school student sure. and I mock up an initial version of the dress and it's great. The material we found works well. So we send that over to the factory. So based on that, what's, what's, yeah. So what is will be the first process? Okay. So which is right now we assume the first step you have your drawing and you had saw a, an art student do a drawing for you and, and uh, kind of give the measurements about what you want. Maybe you can even send them an example of the material that you would like to use. And your first step, I think, is you would want to send it to the fac factory, hopefully factories, and then have them quote it out first. Because before you even get to that first, that other step of having them make samples, you want to see if the pricing's even right or if they'll even do the quantity that you're asking. So that's kind of the first step is you're asking them, say, I need this many, what's the price for that? And then once you've kind of gone, you've clarified with those facilities that, okay, these guys look good. These guys didn't really answer my questions. This one's really high. You kind of focus it down to two or three that you like. And then you send those, you know, maybe physical samples or cottons or anything, something that you want to really work with them. Then you want to make uh, a first a sample after you've received your quote. So then you're kind of making a sample at that point, which won't come out perfect the first time. <laughs> you know, and that's that's kind of uh, what we like to people forget about a timeline. 
You know, I think it's a good assumption from, especially in clothing, I'm, I'm not sure about, or I, I am sure about other types of widgets, but for clothing, it's usually from concept to quotation to sample to final production, you're probably looking at about realistically 60 days. And that's fast. That's mean that, you know, I think that would be kind of fast. So you kind of, your first step would be quotation. After that, they look good. Second step would be get a sample made from maybe those three guys and see which one comes out right. You're going to get those samples back and then you're going to say, okay, uh, I need to change this. This needs to be adjusted. What, what are some like examples of, based on your past experience, what are some examples of things that don't come back right? Um, details, small details, sizing, maybe not exactly the material that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, the way, so the first one was details. Details is because maybe one, it's not clearly illustrated within your drawing and you let it up to um, kind of guessing, conflicting information on the drawing. Maybe you have you have all these graphics that you sent them that are very cool, but they're not really on the drawing. So you kind of have two sets and, and um, they don't always come, sometimes they don't always come back to you and ask you the right question, say, which one is it? And the way to prevent that is, is that, uh, you know, you make sure you go over with them maybe online or, or on email or QQ or, or Skype and say, hey, these are all the details. What's really important to me, make sure those details get done. Second is sizing. Sizing is kind of very interpretive. <laughs> Unless you have a physical sample, it's hard to say. Right. So if you're just kind of sending them drawings and say, and you give them measurements, they're tailors of sorts, but you know, a good tailor still needs to work with a person to see how it actually fits on someone's body, right? right. So cuts are really important. And that type of mistake is hard to prevent unless you have a physical sample. Gotcha. And then the last one I said was uh, kind of material. Yeah. You know, you might send them material, say, I'm looking to emulate this. They might send you back a sample that's close, but not exactly. So if the material is very important to you, you would want them to kind of give you a choice of materials to choose from and actually possibly feel, you know, and say, I want to go with A or B because it's softer or it's, it's giving me the right color that I need and things like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's really helpful. So. We've gotten the initial sample from the factory and let's say we iterated a little bit to tweak all the, all the details to make sure they got it right. Correct. Uh, what's the next step? The next step is all those tweaks and details, you get them to confirm. Now, unfortunately, you can't let the factory, re- you can't rely on the factory for them to do that. This needs to be something that you do. You take all those details, update them on the drawing itself. Okay, or maybe in a spreadsheet or whatever you're more comfortable with. But the fact of the matter is, is that you need to kind of take that into your own hands and make sure that you have updated those drawings and send it to them again and say, get back on the phone game, say, this is what we changed. This is what we agree on. Correct. And this and that and go through all the different points that have changed and making sure that this will happen and they understand and try not to ask yes or no questions, you know. (laughs) Because they'll say yes. Yeah. Uh, try to ask more. Yes kind of, is a maybe, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, try to ask more questions with uh, definitive answers rather than yes. You know, like left or right. Yes. Well, then I have to choose one. You know, yeah. they, they can't say yes. So after that, you want to have them confirm that sheet and say, now does the price change? Right. This is a very important part. Is that a lot of people forget when they get from initial quote to sample to receiving the sample and then making changes, there might be some integral parts that price must go up or maybe if you're lucky, price goes down. But you kind of have to understand what that means. 
um, if the price is going to go down, why you believe it should go down. But secondly, price goes up, you need to make sure when you confirm your final sample and the changes that you made, is has, has the price changed? Because sometimes they don't tell you. Not because they're sly, it's just because they're, sometimes it's, it's an assumption. <laughs> you know, because you don't know. I said, of course, you changed this cotton. Why wouldn't it be more expensive? You know, in their eyes, they might think it is obvious, but maybe to a layman, it's it's not. Right. So tweaks, confirm within the tweaks. Secondly, confirm price again. All right. So make sure not to get tripped up with the changes in pricing and also confirm that your changes to the initial sample have been received and that they're going to carry that forward. That's correct. Okay. Is the next step a production sample? Well, production sample means that you're placing an order, right? Okay. So um, it's either you're going to ask them to sample again, which unless you're doing rather large quantities or you have a kind of long-standing relationship with the factory, they will do that again. In my experience, if this is kind of maybe a one-off or first cooperation and low quantities, they might not be really willing to do that. And you might have to fight for it. And I'm not saying you shouldn't try. If you believe in getting perfect, uh, perfection um, before you go to production, I say stick with it. But if you have a, a kind of previous relationship or you feel um, confident um, because you understand the materials and you understand what's happening, you're confident that moving into the next stage of making PPS a pre-production sample, that means placing an order. So. Um, if you can get them to do the extra sample, go for it. Okay, so we're talking about a new sample that has all of the changes integrated before even placing an order and getting a production sample. Yeah, that's right. Because when you're doing a pre-production sample, that means there's a production line ready to pump out your orders. Right? Well, y yes and no. More like you paid a deposit. <laughs> gotcha. Um, and that's not always a good position to be in, especially if, if this is your first time at it. Uh, you know, but if, if you're not having a long-standing relationship with someone, you know. Maybe that's not the best route to go by, but like I said, if you feel more confident, by all means try. But uh, if you can get them to do an extra sample, go for it. Uh, but if you're going to do a pre-production sample, you need to put a deposit in. And then they'll kind of make all those changes before they go into mass production, which they'll give you those that sample back again to reconfirm all your quote-unquote changes. And uh, maybe you'll have to catch something there again. Who knows? All right, so say I were really to go into making the Daenerys Targaryen dress right. for this Halloween, Jamin, how, how many do you think I should make? Based on like what usually the factories consider a reasonable minimum and what you think is gonna be the demand? Um, probably 300 to 500. Is the minimum. Probably the minimum, and it would be a small shop, maybe a trading office, but that's kind of a trade-off. Right. Uh, because for low quantities, it needs to be a smaller factory for it to be interesting to them. You're not gonna find ABC's costume factory who does over a thousand a day interested in your 300 piece order. They might do great work, but you're never gonna get them to bite. Yeah. So the kind of the trade-off is if you're gonna do kind of 300 to 500, which is a minimal requirement on something like this, it's uh, rather simple. It seems like a white dress, it's kind of flowy. Uh, not a lot of prints, not a lot of super customization going on. I think 300 to 500 sounds reasonable. But like I said, the trade-off is that it's going to be a smaller factory, which means not as organized, not at very attentive as far as customer service goes. You might uh, There might not be a lot of English going on there, uh -huh. uh, a lot of lost in translation moments that are possible. 
Uh, second is a trading uh, trading company. And sometimes people think trading company sounds like a bad word. But for people who are starting off, it's it's a, a method for you to start, you know, at lower quantities. And they offer services that they're able to get you in contact with factories that can do this. That's kind of what, you, what you're at right there. Okay. All right. Say we found a factory where we're going with like a 500 unit run and uh, we paid the deposit. Right. Where do we go next? All right. So you've gotten your sample. This is assuming that we didn't do an, another sample. We've, we've done the first sample. We want to make the changes. We're making the deposit. And now we're going to make a pre-production sample. Okay. So once you, before you even put your deposit in, what I would suggest is saying, making sure you get a timeline and get very clear about when said deposit is in from what day will you have your pre-production sample to confirm? How many days will you have to confirm it? What will be your final X factory date before you put any money in? Right. Just to kind of get on the table again. And does there need to be a lot of paperwork signed at this point? How does it usually work? Um, on these small orders, it's hard to see, to do a contract for every small order um, gets ridiculous. But I think if you can document it in invoices, clear specification sheets, drawings, and emails that are, that confirm what you said, you know, and, and make sure you get your details down. You know, you're not going to lock anyone into any <laughs> real promises, but you want to let them know that, that you're both understanding the same thing. Right. You know. And I think that's important. So that process is not really about paperwork. It's just about making sure that the details are laid out very clearly. Those details have been confirmed by each side and say, okay, we go now. Uh, and that's, that's how you would start. Okay. So make sure to get the documentation. I mean, as much as possible, like purchase orders, invoices, and things like that. Definitely. Maybe not a contract for like a small 500 unit run. No. All right, we got all that stuff in place. Uh, we're looking at our first pre-production sample. Sure. What could go wrong here? Well, what could go wrong is that one, maybe the changes that you've requested are still not made. <laughs> or those requests you did make were not executed correctly. From that point, this is another opportunity for you to readjust. Now, Usually these are small problems that can be fixed. Perhaps maybe um, a woven label is not correct, or maybe a certain fit or cut is not correct. But I mean, at this point, you shouldn't be saying this material is not correct because you should have confirmed that material before. Right. You know, so when you're in this pre-production sample, the biggest problems are that, like I said, just possibly the correction that you asked for were not executed correctly or two maybe there is just something not completely right and you're not satisfied so there might be a cause for delay for some reason right so say like you wanted to tighten the waist a little bit maybe tighten it too much and it's yeah. not quite right that's not quite right, but that's an easy fix okay yeah at this point you shouldn't be firefighting you know you should just be doing small tweaks the firefighting should be in the first sample you know, and that's why you sample with multiple people and don't put all your eggs in one basket because maybe you're on a tight timeline. Like, you know, October's coming around the corner. You placed the order in September, you know, and you did it from one sample with one person. You kind of get it back and you go, oh, it's not very good, but okay, uh, I'll try to adjust it. And, you know, if you maybe would have sampled with three people, you would have had kind of a choice, you know, that the 
if you just would have gone with the one, you got that one sim, you go, oh, I gotta make a lot of adjustments on this. But you might have gone with three, and the one guy hit it right on the first time, and very small adjustments. And that, that kind of gives you a really good feeling that, okay, these guys know what they're doing, you know? And the firefighting, like I said, should kind of happen more in the beginning. And then when you're placing your deposit, you need to be very sure and clear about your specifications so you're not firefighting when all your money's in. Okay, actually, you bring up the timeline issue. What is a good timeline to get something simple like this from concept to, to final production? I guess it varies, but it varies. Like a, rough, a rough outline. Um, let's just say concept to your first email, to quotation, to sample, to receiving sample, and then confirming purchase order, PPS, end of production. And then I guess you're gonna ocean ship this because you don't want to spend a thousand bucks or right. twelve hundred dollars on on shipping these goods. Probably even more, maybe three thousand US dollars to air ship it. Right. Um, that could be possibly, like I said, sixty to seventy-five days. Because so we're you, still we'll still make it in time for Halloween, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Starting now. If there's no problems, okay. if there's no problems, you know, and that's why you want to plan for this because. You have to really, people always forget about shipping for some reason and, and they end up losing, losing a lot of their possible profit through getting it out the door. So kind of um, from concept to quotation should take about a week. And then your samples, um, your samples should maybe should take about 15 to 15 to 30 days, depending on how many, how many different samples you're doing and, and the quantity of those samples. And then after that, you kind of have a week in between there. Standard ship uh, time could be about 30 to 40 days for production. And then be on the water, it's about another 30 days. So I don't know if I got my math correct there. There might be, it might be a couple more less days there, but you kind of want to buffer that because there's always problems and you always have to change things and you never know. So I think probably 60 days is probably the best from concept to getting it to your door. Okay, so that's the best case scenario and you're saying we should build a little bit of buffer in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but again, this is a customized piece of material, you know, that you're trying to make. If you're just buying standard things right from the place, I mean, you could probably get this done within uh, 45 days easily. Being that if it's something stock, turn around, you know, just a t-shirt. I want a t-shirt. And, right. you know, and that's something a lot easier to turn around. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah that, that helps. So... Uh, we got our pre-production sample. It looks good. We've checked all the changes have been implemented. It's off to the races then. Yeah, you just give the green light and now they're going to start in production. And during production, keep in contact with people. No good news. What is it? No news is not good news. Or <laughs> you know, something like that. So, Well, no news from your doctor is good news. Yeah, that's but... <laughs> true. That's true. But from your supplier, it's not. You kind of always just want to keep up them. Chat, stop in and say, hey, how are things going? You got any pictures? I'd love to see some pictures of what's going on. You know, always, you know, just anything. If they is, are they sewing right now? Because if you can't be there physically, you would want to try to get some pictures or just keep in contact with them about things being on time. Or is there any problems? No problems? You know, maybe there were some problems that came up in pre-production samples that you want to just re-review again with them just to ask you know i, I believe just uh, being consistent in your actions 
as far as asking and reconfirming lets them know that you will continue to do this, you know, and, and lets them know that they will have to pay attention to these type of things. We, when we do productions, we at least get out there once during production. Now we're out there uh, before to do meetings, things for confirmations of, of, uh, of cuts and materials before um, before production, but in production, it's good at least to get out there once. But if you can't be there, what I said before is the next best thing you can do. And when you say you get out there during production, is it usually during the first week or do you try to time it? Well, you want to ask them, okay. you know, you want to ask them about, cause you know, in your mind you say go, and then, you know, everyone automatically puts things on a table and starts cutting away. Um, no, it's, they're on a production schedule and you're, you're in a, basically you're in a queue with other people. And you know, when you start putting your money, you're actually putting yourself inside a queue being that that you do everything on time and there is no delays in other materials that that production line will continue along to each block, you know? So when you say go, things have already been happening, you know? And, and when you say, okay, I'm good for the, let's go, go, let's go to production. You know, they start, but it's not like you have a whole bunch of people jump on it. Yeah, we're starting to make it. We're starting to make JP stuff, you know? Um, that's kind of a, a misconception, but they're, they're still in a schedule to move to a next block. So you kind of want to, that's why you want to talk to your supplier say, when is maybe a certain part of embroidery? You know, you say, when is embroidery going to happen? I'd like to be there for that. Or when is printing happening? I want to be there for that. And they should let you know. So you say, okay, or I want to be there for, for sewing. So you can ask them about these type of things and make sure you're there. It's not always to the day. It might change because of production delay or it might be a day early, you know. So you just want to make sure you contact your factory about that and, and just communicate your concerns of what you would like to see. Cool. All right. During production, if everything looks good. Well, actually, what could not look good during production? What are some of the things that you've seen that worried you during your production visit? Well, if we're talking about clothing specifically and there's different sizes, Right, so you're doing, let's just say again, we're doing 500 as the example, and we're doing a small, medium, large. Extra large in women's clothing doesn't sell very well, I don't think, <laughs> so. I, I think you just wanna say small, medium, large. And what you do is, you know, they maybe they can mess up the cuts. Maybe the label goes on the wrong one. The medium actually has a large label on it, or something like that. Or maybe the stitching isn't very clean. Stitching mishaps. Woven labels are sewn upside down. And this is not always caught in the pre-production sample, right? Because they're paying extra attention to that one. Yeah, but now, you know, because the pre-production sample is still done in a sample room. Right. You know, th this is a, a, a different kind of a department, usually, not on the production line. So, you know, that pre-production sample is kind of like their mold to follow and be like, is this correct? You know, so that someone can go back. So to catch these kind of things is that, you know, you want to be there to do inline inspections to kind of maybe see these things. Again, if you're not living in China or you don't have someone going there to look for you, you have to rely on possibly someone going there for you that maybe you know, you can hire a third party QC right. um, company to go do that for you. And they're, they're, very, they're very cheap. You know, you can have one man, uh, one man day for about 300 US dollars. And they're, they're usually kind of spread around, you know, in, in a lot of different places. So you just give them the requirements of the things that you're looking for that they have to go look for. You know, $300 for peace of mind and making sure that it's done correctly could possibly save you thousands of dollars. You yeah. Know? So it's, it, it's something you have to think about, you know? 
Right, especially if you're doing a larger order, right? Of course, yeah. Sometimes, what is it, um, penny-wise, pound-foolish, I guess is yeah. how you say. It's, it's sometimes you think, well, oh, God, I, I, I got to spend $300 for someone just to go out there and look at it. But just imagine if you didn't do it. So it's kind of like insurance. A lot of people don't want to buy insurance, but the day that you do buy it and something does happen, you're very happy that you did. Right. right. So that's kind of a personal decision that you have to make. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a gamble. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on if you're a gambling man, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's a safe bet. It's always smart to do. You know, yeah. we have QC teams. We're not paying them $300 a day because there are QC teams and we pay them salary. Yeah. So... You know, we, we've also had um, opportunities where we don't have an ability to be up north where some of our factories are. And it is a lot cheaper for me to have a QC company um, to go there for $300 a day instead of me sending my team with a plane ticket to go up there and stay the night and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it does make sense sometimes, you know, as far as as far as costs. Okay, great. So we got we got the production going. We've done the in-production visit, the inspection. Sure. I guess the next step is when the, the production finishes. Right? Yeah, well, the production's finishing up. What you want to do is you want to make sure that someone looks at the goods. I always prefer to be in the factory before they put them in the package, mm -hmm. you know, or as they are packaging. Because there's nothing worse than getting to a factory and you're supposed to maybe check, you know, 300 goods and they're all in boxes and you have to pull them out of their packaging and you have to pull them out of their nicely folded, folded stuff. And, and then you have to go and check everything because one, it takes a long time Two, sometimes you're maybe not as inclined to check as many, <laughs> you know, because you know, sometimes people are lazy, you <laughs> yeah. know. So what you want to do is try to be there as they are packing. So one, you can see how packaging is going. You know, and you can say, okay, the packaging looks great, you know, and they're putting the, the labels on correctly on the outside and the SKU numbers. That looks great. Now you want to make sure you go and actually lay out all the sizes, lay out all the material, um, lay out all the clothing by size and then go through them. And um, that's kind of an, actually a nice trick because what you do is, is that you do smalls, then you do mediums and then you do larges and you do start from beginning first and then medium and large because what happens is you start looking at the smalls and you're looking at all the details and so you're doing kind of two things you're looking at all the product but then you're also confirming the sizes are all the same you know because you're not going to measure every one you're going to maybe measure five or six to on compared to your sizing table but then as you're going through you're going to start seeing visually that they start you know they all match up and sometimes like you'll see oh this one's a little bit bigger why is that you know because you've already looked at 20 of them yeah and then you're like oh they switch labels so then you start keying on things and you start seeing that and you go uh oh there's a medium in here and then you go uh oh how many are switched so then you start you can start seeing those different things you know okay so switching labels on sizing is something that could happen What's an example? What are some other examples of things you've seen? Sizing labels are a big issue. That's something you definitely always want to check, um, especially if you're talking about thousands and thousands. I mean, it can be if you're on a tight schedule and these items need to get out and as they're packing, you find out that possibly you don't know which ones got mixed up. Then you're looking in a delay to get this fixed because you can't send out goods that say large that are actually smaller, vice versa. You know, it's, it right. just becomes mayhem. And no one, and you're gonna get returns and cause you even more money because you'll ship them over and, and it costs you a lot of money. Um, second thing is overall craftsmanship. 
looking at the sewing and making sure it's correct. What else? Maybe defects as far as stains, things like that, because maybe they're, the machines maybe not be, might not be as clean or maybe the handling of them, maybe they've been put on the floor, um, which is probably more common in smaller factories, you know? So those kind of things like dirty, um, maybe workmanship on woven labels and tags are not correct. And also the sizing switches, you know, those are the kind of things you would want to look out for. Gotcha. And if, and if you do find a mistake, is it usually the factory's responsibility to fix it or are you going to have oh, to, yeah. you're going to have to negotiate with them? No, this, this should be something the factory does right away. Okay. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't take it. So then they don't get paid. And as a, as a young man 40 years ago, and uh, so I, I would go kicking and screaming when this would happen. You know, I'd go nuts. I used to go absolutely nuts and blow my top, which is not a good thing. You know, it doesn't help the situation. What you need to do is you need to be stern, stern, but cool about what the next step needs to happen. And if you're just going to throw your hands up and say, fix it, that's not really the right answer too. I mean, if, if this product means a lot to you or if like, if you can't be there personally, the person who's inspecting it for you, you got to make sure that you convey that if this product means a lot to you that they have to implement and tell them what the next plan is, you know? Now the factory should be responsible in fixing these things, but you kind of want to give them the next suggestion, you know? Okay. So for example, switch labels, you know, they have a methodology to figure that out. Usually they weigh, they'll start weighing all the goods and start finding out which one's heavier, which one's not. And then they can, it's a fix, quick fix. And um, you don't want to start screaming, it's, oh, you need to fix it right now and this and that, you know. You want to develop the plan with them. You say, what's the next step? How do we fix this? And uh, I don't say you have to be happy about it and shake their hands, but you want to understand what the next step is to fixing those goods and working through them on that. Gotcha. So hopefully if we followed all of the checkpoints beforehand, you know, with a sampling and pre-production sample and also visits during the manufacturing, mm -hmm. we won't run into any big surprises when the things are being packaged, right? You should. You, it should be that way, but it's not always that way. But so if you're going to shoot for 90, 90%, that's usually, that's what you can get, I think. Because there is mistakes along the way. Um, factories are big. And factors that are not thinking about your best interests, you know, it's just, it's a guy who's doing a repetitive or young lady who's doing repetitive work. And, um, the product that means so much to you is, doesn't mean that much to them. So they're just kind of getting it through. So you have to make sure that your specifications are clear. You have a specification sheet that shows all that you, you confirm it with them. My, my, my kind of credo has been confirm, confirm again. Confirm when you have questions, confirm when you're nervous, confirm. Just always confirm Just and, and be analytical about it. Don't be yes or no questions. Get some answers out of it, you know? Cool. Yeah, all right. So let's hope everything, well, let's not hope. Let's say that based on all of our diligent work along the way, yes. that the final, it's sort of like a final inspection while the production is wrapping up, right? Yeah, that would be your final inspection. Yeah, correct. so everything looks good and it's yeah. getting packaged. It's, it's getting ready to ship. Um, that looks good. So is the next step simply to get that on a boat and then you pay them when it arrives or you pay them? 
Well, I mean, that all is established in the beginning. Yeah, you know, in the beginning of relationship. You know, are you doing thirty percent deposit, seventy percent balance? Um, usually, in these small orders, you're not going to get terms. If you're doing larger orders, you have the and you are kind of an established company, you can get terms. You know, some people prefer to do thirty seventy, which is thirty percent deposit, seventy percent balance when the goods are confirmed and they're good to go. Um, some people do deposit and then thirty uh, percent deposit, and then they do a thirty day net, which means that the goods will go out, get on a ship, and they hold they maybe the bill of lading if they're doing shipping for you. And by the time it gets to the port, then you pay them the the balance. Um, some people do sixty day net, but usually those days are kind of gone. You don't you only get sixty day net on anything anymore. Some and if if you've been working with someone for a while or you're a bigger company, uh, there's opportunity. Maybe you won't have to pay anything until production's done. So there's there's a couple options for for guys starting out. Shoot for thirty seventy. That's your best bet. Never okay. give, never give a hundred percent. I always bargain down from fifty. Say let's do thirty percent. Or some people like to split it up. Um, I'm not a really a fan of that, of the, of the 30, 30, 40, um, method or is it 30, 30, yeah, 30, 30, 40 method. What would the middle 30, when would that be paid? Um, usually like PPS, but then you're kind of putting things PPS or end of production. And then they're going to pay the 40% at the end of shipping or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, I just think that's just overcomplicated. I prefer, especially if it's your first time and everything goes well, it's 30% deposit. Confirm all your goods, make sure it's done right. And then when it's finished, you see everything's good and I'm ready to go. And then you pay up your 70%. So you try to, you try to give, give as, as less risk as possible when you're giving 30%. Right, and there's more incentive for them to get everything right, right? Yeah. To, if they have 70% of the, the sum riding on you know the final payment. Yeah, usually the 30% probably it doesn't cover everything but you know this they definitely want that 70 percent. but the 30 percent is is enough for them to get going um i think that's that pretty much brings us up to the end of it yeah right? so then From, you get a logistics company and send it out for you yeah and then i put it on amazon and uh post it on facebook and yeah. make in the cash that's right that's right <laughs> all righty then okay so that was a very very helpful walkthrough of all the things that so all the steps of taking a product from from concept to the final finished production and along the way we talked about some of the pitfalls and mistakes that could happen and how to avoid them right as well so i'd like to wrap up the interview and thank you for your time sure but before we go uh is there one final message you'd like to leave for the audience and also can you give them a way to find you on the internet Let's see. Final message. Be careful. Keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just always confirm and do your homework. It's, uh, that's, all, that's all I could say about that. And uh, you can contact me at uh, ChinaOpportunityPodcast.com. That's right. You guys are running a podcast as well, right? That's right. So if you're looking for more in-depth information on sourcing and manufacturing in China... Definitely check out China Opportunity Podcast. Yeah, and uh, we'll try not to bore you. Uh, Matt's there. He's the boring one. Um, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm the more exciting one. Yeah, so you can go to that website there. And um, my email is jamin at China Opportunity Podcast. You can look uh, .com, so you can hook me up there. Or you can go to highcappen.com and uh, you know, check us out there. 
Great. We'll link up to those in the show notes so you can check that out. Cool. Thank you for being on the show, Jamin. No problem. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of China Business Cast. For more about the program and to join the conversation online, check out ChinaBusinessCast.com. Thank you for listening.